Man, the weekend is almost here, but it ain't quite here yet. You know what is here? The end of September. Man, hope y'all have had a wonderful month and blow it out big time here on this final day of the month. Hey, I'm John Rawl, and I'm going to help you blow out the month in style with this The Y'all Show for the next three hours we are going to bring you incredible conversation about the Southeast. We've got all kinds of fun stuff. We've got an entertainment report coming up. I'm going to actually talk about something I've never talked about here on the Y'all Show. And I've talked about a lot, y'all. I'm going to talk about the Tony Awards. <laughs> that was just held the other day in New York City. And we'll share some of that. Also, a former actress on HBO, you might remember her, from her work that she had on Sex and the City, Kim Cattrall, she is going to be filming in Mobile, Alabama, alongside Robert De Niro. I've got information coming from Alabama on that, plus Billy Bob Thornton in the news. We'll share some info about that. In terms of the country music scene, we've got that story about Alan Jackson. Have you heard about this crazy nerve thing going on with him? A degenerative illness that's affecting his performing and Alan Jackson admitting to Jenna Bush Hager on the Today Show that he suffered for years with this condition called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. And I'm going to tell you about the disease. I'm going to tell you about long, tall, Noonan, Georgia boy, Alan Jackson. We have that coming up in our country music spotlight in hour number two. Also another Georgia boy country music singer in the news, Zach Brown. He's had to cancel some upcoming concerts because Zach Brown, not the band, but the guy, has tested positive for COVID-19. And the last of the Georgia Boy Triumvirate that we'll be covering in our country music news today, Jason Aldean has announced his 10th studio album, and he's got his home state in mind with the name of this 10th release. It's called Making Georgia. Oh, New Way Wieners. That's where they find, you can find those there. And I've been there several times. Love me some New Way. Love me some Macon. Love me some Mercer Bears. And we're going to talk about Jason Aldean and his newest album coming up. Plus, a look at some of the new CDs that have just come out from Willie Nelson to Randy Travis, a re-release for him, and Mickey Guyton, the newcomer. All that is part of our country music coverage but that's coming up hour two, so we got a lot between now and then on today's Y'all Show. We've got, hey, hashtag hullabaloo coming up your way. We found some great stuff. We'll share it with you. This hour alone, before we get to hashtag hullabaloo, not only will we fill you in with all the news headlines of the day, we've got some sports news. The NBA, actually, a story about the NBA and vaccinations I'll be passing along and today is a NFL slash college football Thursday, and we'll discuss who's playing in the NFL, and we'll discuss who is suiting up in college football. It's an ACC battle under the lights here on this Thursday. So we'll have all that information. Also this hour, it's our weekly look at all things Southeastern Conference, and we'll be bringing you what's going on in SEC land and that should be plenty of good information that we'll be passing along on that front as we will have info not only about the Georgia Bulldogs and JT Daniels, and we have info about that as Georgia prepares for a big game at home against the Arkansas Razorbacks this weekend. 
Also, not just SEC-related, Bill Hancock of the College Football Playoff says a group has a luxury of time to determine the future format. So this affects all of college football. That plus another story that affects all of college football. On Wednesday, the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, said college football players at private schools can unionize. So, hmm, how's that going to affect your Vanderbilts of the world or your other private schools across the Southeast and more? That's coming up. Plus, we will go ahead and preview all of the SEC games on the gridiron on this upcoming October 2nd day. Saturday, got a lot of SEC games going on. Almost all SEC v. SEC. There are two exceptions. South Carolina's out of conference. Vanderbilt is out of conference on Saturday. We'll, we'll walk through the schedule in our SEC spotlight later this hour. When we get to the third hour today, we will be sharing with you more sports information, and we'll also look ahead to the weekend in terms of festivals going on across the Southeast and more. So all that right here on y'all. We appreciate you being a part of the fun. And if you want to actually be part of the fun, then you can do it in a couple of ways. You can text us. Our text line is open right now. I just checked the line and it's sitting there empty. So, hey, feel free to give us a text, 803-816-1170. You also can email us. And share whatever you got on your mind on the world of email. And that's y'all show, Y-A-L-L show, y'all show at Y-A-L-L.com. Y'all show at y'all.com is the way to email us here on the show all about the Southeast. And then don't forget here at y'all, we're powered by our website. It's the South's homepage. It's y'all, Y-A-L-L, y'all.com. And we are proud to be on that website. We have the Y'all Show posted on the y'all.com homepage. And you can go there on your own schedule and find this show and find all the other great content that is posted there. And uh, do us a favor, if you don't mind, also, if you're on Facebook, please go there and find y'all.com on Facebook. And on that great little social media option, you can choose to follow y'all.com and let's help build up our y'all.com Facebook page so you'll be in touch with what's going on across the southeast. Well, let's dive into the news line, news headline so you'll be in touch of what's going across the southeast today. And this is a disturbing story coming out of the Fort Worth area. A biblical sacrifice has led to the discovery of five grisly murders and three of these murders have just recently been found in a burning dumpster as bodies dismembered and were set on fire at a burning dumpster in the Fort Worth area. And a man has already confessed, confessing to the detectives there in Fort Worth, Texas. And this man tells police he killed at least, at least five people and believed he was being called to commit sacrifices, a biblical sacrifice, essentially, is what this was all about. And this man, Jason Thornburg, the person arrested, told police he has an in-depth knowledge of the Bible and was called to commit sacrifices, according to the arrest warrant affidavit. Thornburg also admitted to police he killed his Fort Worth roommate back in May, and he also earlier in the year killed his girlfriend, who was located in Arizona. And now he's being charged in connection with the deaths 
of several people, first with the three people whose bodies were found dismembered, found in a burning dumpster last week, and now being tied to these other deaths. The 41-year-old Thornburg booked into the Tarrant County Jail Monday on a charge of capital murder of multiple persons, being currently held in jail on a $1 million bond. Hmm, man, this is a scary, scary story here. Fort Worth police said Tuesday that video surveillance near the dumpster showed the person they believe dumped the bodies was driving a 2005 to 2010 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Police said they are roughly 7,000 of those in North Texas, but the detective noticed specific chrome rims and accents on one that looked similar to the one in the video near the dumpster. And that SUV, a 2008 Grand Cherokee, was owned by Thornburg. How about that? That is part of the amazing work that detectives and people involved in law enforcement, so, so much great work goes in. And these guys and gals in law enforcement, oftentimes not the ones that you see out patrolling the streets, but the detectives, the ones, the the gumshoe folks, they do a fantastic job so often. And they use things like GPS data that, that came into play here as homicide detectives located Thornburg's SUV at his residence using GPS data and learned that he had been staying at a hotel called the Mid-City Inn since June 28th. So that explains why they went there and ended up capturing this guy. Just This is creepy, a creepy, creepy story. Kind of reminds me, not just because it's set in Texas, but kind of reminds me, especially when I saw this guy's headshot here, Thornburg. Not Greta Thornburg. No, this is the other Thornburg here in this case, not not the one that tries to save the world. This is the guy who's destroying the world, Jason Allen Thornburg, with his senseless killing of innocent people. But have you ever seen the movie from 2007, the Coen Brothers-directed No Country for Old Men, which is also set in West Texas, I believe, is where that thing happened. But golly, Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Aderm, and Josh Brolin in that one. And that one's kind of extremely, extremely creepy if you've not seen it. Uh, based on a 1980 case of hitman Anton Chigurh. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just to... Woo, man, that one... Uh, I'd, I'd like to have somebody to snuggle up to when I see No Country for Old Men because that one's pretty pretty darn scary. I know some of you out there love your scary movies, and this one is a kind of a neo-western crime thriller, crime thriller, excuse me, set back around 1980 for this film again with the Coen Brothers directing. But I can't help but think of No Country for Old Men when I'm telling you about Jason Allen Thornburg and this senseless murder of multiple people out of Fort Worth, Texas. Now, recently, if you kind of kept up with the modern events of the day, you might remember after American troops and more were pulled out of Afghanistan and it was an absolute disaster and 13 great heroes were killed right there at the gate of the airport, there was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Marine Corps who went public with his criticism of his superiors over the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. And that officer was Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, Jr., a Marine Corps colonel 
based out of North Carolina. I did not know until his parents showed up on Fox News Channel this week that he is currently being in prison for criticizing those involved in the Afghan debacle. And his parents call that an act of cowardice and extremely disappointed in the higher level of our United States military for this lieutenant colonel who was in uniform and was an active duty officer when he did criticize his superiors for this horrible Afghanistan crisis. But I can't believe the guy would actually be put, I guess he's not in jail, but he's being confined or something like that. And he's having to do this at his base in Jacksonville, North Carolina. I guess it's Camp Lejeune is where he is. And now his parents are the ones out there speaking. This week his folks, Stuart Sr. and Kathy Scheller, spoke on the Ingram angle. And they say their son's being unfairly punished as he sits in yet indefinite solitary confinement there in North Carolina. I cannot believe it. Now, he... When he came out and criticized, he kind of said he would be resigning. I thought that would essentially they would kick him out immediately. But I can't believe he'd still be in the service and they've got him confined. This is a grown man. This is a guy, what, two steps away from being a Marine Corps general. And, And now he's being treated this way. His parents were very critical over the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, as they say, that he's refused to take accountability for the disastrous withdrawal. Now, this week, you might have seen in Washington, D.C., you had Austin, you had Mark Milley, the head of uh, the military, I guess, there in the White House, the Joint Chiefs Chairman, Mark Milley, and then the guy that's kind of the head over that portion of the world, the Central Command, Marine Corps four-star general Frank McKenzie who is a native of Birmingham, Alabama. And those three were testifying this week. And at least in terms of McKenzie and General Milley, they were a bit critical, especially Alabama boy Frank McKenzie. He himself contradicted what President Biden said, as McKenzie said that his suggestion was they leave 2,500 troops behind. And it really made Biden look like a lying fool because George Stephanopoulos asked Biden a while back, didn't you go against the advice of your military leaders who said that you should leave 2,500 personnel there in Afghanistan? And Biden said, no, I don't, not that I recall. And now I think Milley even seconded what McKenzie said, that yes, there was a suggestion from the military higher-ups that there should be U.S. troops there. I know people want to get our troops home, We don't want to see any more Americans die. But my God, think about all the people who have died trying to make this country somewhat normal. It'll never be normal, but make it somewhat normal. Make it to where it's not a pain in the tuchus for the rest of the world. And you can't have that when you have zero American presence left in that country. And the last year and a half, essentially, where President Trump had it set up, we had not had a single life taken. I'm sure it was costing a fair amount of money, but can you imagine what it's going to cost down the road when we have zero control over Afghanistan and they have a sovereign nation of which if they really do something stupid, 
you'll have to go right back in and invade them like it never, this whole thing never happened. In fact, one thing I heard McKenzie say when he was testifying at the U.S. Capitol this week is he says we're still at war with Afghanistan. And, of course, you've seen Joe Biden have a big, I won't say big, but but mark the occasion of this war coming to an end a couple of weeks ago. But McKenzie, his central command leader there, essentially saying, we're, we're still going. In fact, there was a report, you might have seen it, I hate to get all world politics and world headlines here with you, but the Afghanistans claim the Taliban, I guess would be who's claiming this, that we've seen United States drones go into Afghan airspace in the last few days. So it seems to me we're still definitely involved, maybe not at war, but how about Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Sheller Jr.'s parents going on national TV and talking about their son and, again, criticizing this country's leaders after their son in prison for his criticism of the Afghan crisis. And they say, shame on Austin. That would be the United States Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Shame on him for what he's allowed to have happen, their son instead of being able to criticize. And these people needed criticism. This is this is just terrible. So let me take a moment here to thank, to thank all of our great people who might be listening, all those who for, unfortunately did not come back, as we've lost thousands of Americans in Afghanistan, in addition to Iraq too, but specifically on the Afghan front. And people gave their lives, and we want to thank you for those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And we want to also thank those who went and served, came back, and might even be listening to me right now. Because without your sacrifice, we wouldn't have the kind of world we live in where we are out here trying to make a difference. But Afghanistan has been and likely will always be a place that's not a first world or even second world country. And you're going to continue to have problems in that part of the world. Hey, let's turn to some positive news here before we take a break. And we reported on this on our Wednesday Y'all Show. Both Kentucky and Tennessee are benefiting from a decision that the Ford Motor Company has chosen to announce this week. Ford is going to put in a multi-billion dollar facility in Kentucky and a multi-billion dollar facility in West Tennessee. And all of this is to build electric cars as they're going to spend over $5 billion in a plant about 30 miles south of Louisville, and they're spending $5.6 billion in Stanton, Tennessee, just outside of Brownsville in West Tennessee. And there at that factory, Ford will have electric F-Series pickups built as well as a battery-making factory also in the area. Glendale is the community in Hardin County, Kentucky, that's going to benefit from Ford coming in there. Now, Andy Bashir is the governor of Kentucky, and he's taken this opportunity of Ford and their Blue Oval effort here to say he's kind of, he's kind of letting the whole world know that this uh, big investment, in fact, Ford, their decision this week to spend $5.8 billion in Kentucky it is the state's single largest ever economic development project. And Andy Bashir of Kentucky, the governor, said Kentucky, Kentucky already is hearing from prospective suppliers that could create more jobs in the state's burgeoning automotive sector. 
and he is putting it all out there. He says, we are humbled that Ford entrusted us with a big part of the company's future. We will not let you down, says Andy Bashir. And what he's essentially hinting that this partnership Ford has with SK Innovation of South Korea is they, in Kentucky, Bashir says, the Bluegrass State is going to become an electric vehicle leader. This could be the new Detroit, Kentucky. Now, West Tennessee there in, in, in Haywood County might just be trying to dispute that and say, no, 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 Kentucky, Tennessee is your electric vehicle leader. You know what? I just suggest they just go to a place called Fulton in Kentucky, which just across the railroad track there is South Fulton, Tennessee. They can go have a good old-fashioned duel and let either Kentucky or Tennessee come out on top of who actually can claim to be the electric vehicle leader. The bottom line is both states are poised to do extremely well going forward with these incredible investments in both Kentucky and Glendale and in Stanton, Tennessee, in West Tennessee is where that's located, right off of Interstate 40, about 30 miles from Memphis and about 30 to 40 miles from Jackson, Tennessee. And lots of jobs. I think it's over 10,000 jobs combined having both of these plants. And think of all the other ancillary investment that's going to be going on. You're going to have new schools built. You're going to have subdivisions. You're going to have all kinds of restaurants and fun in both of these locations. Y'all, this is great news. Let's just hope nothing gets in the way. And if this is what the future is about and we have to go electric and, and it helps stimulate our region through big investments like this from Ford, well, so be it. And let's get on the electric highway, if you will. And and maybe it'll be a good highway. I think it's going to help out a lot of things. First of all, from what I understand, it won't be so noisy out there if you... I, oh, don't even get me started. Uh, I, 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 I've been reading stories about this, but I actually experienced it for the first time just the evening prior, okay? So have you been hearing about all these people racing, drag racing in the southeast around the country right now? I had, in a pretty large city I was in, three idiots cut me off drag racing, and then about 10 minutes later, they came back near me, and I heard their stupid, loud cars going up and down streets that were designed for about 25 miles per hour, and these idiots were going about 70. Um, I wouldn't have to at least hear them if they were driving electric cars. At least I don't think I would. I need to get an electric vehicle expert here. I don't need a Tesla person. I need somebody who really, truly understands where we're going with all this because, look, I'm for it. I mean, we, we really should come up with a new way to get around. It's been over 100 years, uh, 120 years probably, since we came up with the combustible engine, and that served us well. But maybe, maybe just maybe, there's a better way to get around and perhaps even a safer way for us to move about. Just don't do the stupid drag racing in towns one day when we do have all electric cars. <laughs> all right, enough of my griping. We'll come right back after this break. We've got some sports talk to get to. We'll fill you in on some NFL news of the day. Later this hour, we've got an SEC update. What's going on with the Georgia Bulldog quarterback position? I'll have the latest from the Classic City. All that is up next on the Y'all Show.
We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Well, I wish I was a catfish. Swimming in the deep blue sea I have all you pretty women now Reaching out to me Reaching out to me Showing up our love Oh well Showing up our Well I went to my To my baby's house Well I sat right down On a stair She said come on in I had a cute mouth Probably just not left Probably just not left Showing up 803-816-1170 That is how you can text us here On the show covering everything southern General John Rawls my name I am the general of all things southern And we have now a little Southern sports talk here, and we will start off with something we haven't been talk, talking about lately, the National Basketball Association. And they put out a statement in the last few hours, ain't going to get no money if your unvaccinated players can't play. Whoa, this coming from the association? Oh, well, players who are forced to miss games due to the executive orders governing vaccination requirements in both New York and San Francisco, will not be paid for any games they miss. The NBA's executive VP of communications in a statement on Wednesday, Mike Bass, said any player who elects not to comply with local vaccination mandates will not be paid for games that he misses. Now, these two cities, New York and San Francisco, have recently passed executive orders that would affect the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors. The order in New York specifically applies to the Barclays Center, where the Brooklyn Nets play, of course, and it requires one COVID-19 shot. To enter Chase Center in San Fran, a person must be fully vaccinated. Now, Nets star Kyrie Irving was not at the Nets team media day at Barclays Center Monday as a result of the order in New York, which went into effect earlier in September. Andrew Wiggins at Warriors media day this week said his vaccination status was, quote, private. 
The executive orders governing the vaccine only apply to the players who play in those markets. Out-of-market players are exempted from them. little surprise, NBA coming out with this, but um, I guess it would flow and fall in line with what the orders are in those respective cities. All right, let me tell you about a name from the past, a guy who's played out there on the left coast almost all of his career as far as I'm, I can remember. Richard Sherman is headed east as he signed on to become a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, saying it was the best offer he had, the veteran cornerback announcing this on Wednesday, and he signed a one-year contract. Sherman had been in discussion with the Buccaneers for a whole bunch of weeks, and he said on the Richard Sherman podcast, he spent a long time, by the way, coming up with a name for that one, he said that several teams had reached out, the 49ers, Seahawks, Carolina Panthers, all showed interest in the veteran defensive playmaker. But he said in his podcast that he went with the best offer, the best opportunity, go out there and put some great tape on to lead another group. I feel comfortable and confident in my abilities to go out there and execute and help that team win. Sherman said Tom Brady reached out to him personally. He said he's the all-time great quarterback reaching out, and anytime he makes that call, it's a very difficult opportunity to pass up. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty accurate there. Now, let me tell you about Richard Sherman, in case you've missed him. Richard Sherman has been an intercepting son of a gun. No player has more interceptions in the last 10 years than Richard Sherman, including one of new teammate Tom Brady in these career meetings. He got an interception against the great Tom Brady once. The closest other players, Richard Sherman, by the way, 36 interceptions since the year 2011. Marcus Peters, 31. Reggie Nelson, 29. Patrick Peterson, former LSU star, 28. Harrison Smith, 28. But Sherman knows. I mean, the guy ought to be a wide receiver with as much uh, ability he's got to catch a ball. Now, as a result of Sherman going on, the Bucks have placed wide receiver Scotty Miller on injured reserve. Schefter of ESPN said that Miller was dealing with a toe injury. The Buccaneers will be Sherman's third NFL team after he spent the past three seasons with the Niners, and he played, of course, those first seven years of which he was a star with the Seattle Seahawks. The 33-year-old will have a lot of experience there in the defensive backfield for the Buccaneers as the Bucks now are without Sean Bunning, placed on injured reserve with a dislocated right elbow, and they don't have also their third cornerback, Jamal Dean, who went out in the game against the Rams, a butt-whipping for the Bucks against the Rams. He's got a knee injury and has not practiced so far this week. So Richard Sherman, who I believe played his college ball for the Stanford Cardinal in Tampa now, and if he has as good of experience in Tampa as his quarterback Tom Tampa Brady, Tampa is your hot place to go, it sounds like, and we wish him all the best. Another update from the NFL, Patrick Mahomes says he's excited about the Chiefs signing wide receiver Josh Gordon. That was a free agent move made this week, and Patrick Mahomes is very high on Gordon coming over as he is, according to Mahomes, a big receiver. Gordon will be a member of the practice squad initially, but the Chiefs hope to make him active and hopefully part of the active roster and put him in a starting lineup alongside Tyreek Hill. And so, again, a little bit of a chess piece added 
of the 30-year-old Gordon coming into the Chiefs offense. Chiefs need him. Right now, Kansas City is at 1-2 and two in NFL action. As far as what's on the NFL gridiron on this Thursday, on the NFL Network, you can tune in and see Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And at Paul Brown Stadium right there on the banks of the Ohio, the Bengals host the Jacksonville Jaguars, the winless Jags, and Trevor Lawrence come up for an AFC battle in Ohio. And that's your Thursday night NFL action. It kicks off at 820 Eastern, 720 Central. Jags and who day? Who day? Who day going to beat the Bengals? I think that's what they say. Yes, so check that out. We will have more college football talk as we go on throughout the show, but we're going to switch over after the break and specifically talk about the Southeastern Conference as the SEC's got a big-time quarterback in Athens, Georgia. We'll share with you some information from UGA. Plus, what's going on with the college football playoff? That affects the SEC and a whole lot more conferences too. I'll share with you some news that came out on Wednesday on that front. That's all headed your way after this on the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the Y'all Show, talk with an accent on all things Southern, and here is our SEC report for the week. I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show, where we accentuate all things Southern, and y'all, it doesn't get much Southern than SEC football, and it doesn't get much Southern when you talk about SEC football than to talk about them dogs. Well, Georgia is in a good position, ranked number two in the country. And quarterback J.T. Daniels of UGA dealing with a lat muscle injury as his team prepares for a top 10 showdown against the number eight Arkansas Razorbacks. That game goes down inside Sanford Stadium there, Vince Dooley Field, I believe it's what it's called. And the Dogs have this big game against the Hogs. It's going to be an early game Saturday, kicking off at 12 o'clock Classic City time, 11 o'clock Fayetteville time. And, again, the USC transfer Daniels 
who ranks eighth in the FBS in total QBR. He's got a QBR of 87.6 through four games. He is expected to start for the number two Harry Dogs as they play the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, Daniels did not play in that big win over UAB, 56-7 home team over the visiting Blazers. He didn't play in that one because he had an oblique injury. Instead, Stetson Bennett came in, and this Georgia legend, man, what a good job he did. He went 10-for-12 in passing and had five touchdowns. I know it was UAB, but UAB is not that bad of a program. And so Daniels, who only played a quarter of the 62 to nothing complete embarrassing blowout over Vanderbilt, uh, he only played just that one quarter. Then Bennett came in and played as well as third-string quarterback Carson Beck. So according to Kirby Smart, Daniels' oblique is fine, and he's been having a little bit of a lat issue. According to Kirby Smart, it bothered him during last week's game, and it bothered him some this week, but he's done a good job. He's sharp watching all of his tape, gets his reps, and he does a good job. So we're hoping he can stay that way. So if you're a dog fan, I wouldn't be sweating. I wouldn't be staying up at night worried too much about your quarterback situation because if needed, Stetson Bennett is a stud. We'll just call him Studson Bennett. He could come in against the Hogs if need be. But, uh, yeah, what a luxury number two Georgia has. They have an amazing defense, fantastic quarterback, good lines. I don't know what the weakness is for Georgia. That's why I would go ahead and vote them number one just for the heck of it if I were a AP voter. And I'm not, but I ought to be. And you know what? I think all y'all should be voters as well. A little bit more health news out of Athens, the Bulldogs are hoping to have tight end Darnell Washington and safety Tyke Smith back. They've been sidelined with foot injuries in the first four games. So the rich keep getting richer there in Athens, Georgia. And the folks around Clark County are excited about this number two Georgia Bulldog football team. Now some other news, not just SEC related, but this affects everybody in college football. Bill Hancock, he is the man behind the college football playoff. And following a meeting, a second meeting in as many weeks, the executive director of the CFP said that the decision makers tasked with determining the future format of the college football postseason, quote, have the luxury of time to figure it out. The playoff is in the midst of its eighth season of a 12-year contract in which ESPN is the exclusive rights holder through all the way up to 2025. So no big immediate changes, it sounds like. And I I really do believe Texas and Oklahoma kind of jumping in there, switching conferences, really affected the what seemed to be extremely likely jump from four to 12 teams. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to happen that way, but that really put a damper, I think, in the spirit of changing things up. Right now, these teams all need to find a more permanent conference home there's as the great former commissioner of the sec mike slive once told me in an interview there has to be a paradigm shift in college football for a playoff and or a conference realignment to happen and guess what the late commissioner slive there's a paradigm shift going on right now now an update from the national labor relations board the nlrb says 
college football players at private schools can indeed unionize. General counsel of NLRB Jennifer Abruzzo also threatened action against schools, conferences, and the NCAA if they continued to use the term student-athlete, saying it was created to obscure the employment relationship with college athletes and discourage them from pursuing their rights under the NLRB. Hmm. That didn't see that one coming. But according to the NLRB, college football players and some other athletes in revenue-producing sports at private universities are actually employees of their school, and that according to this release on Wednesday. So what's the big, big difference? And I can't get into the weeds of what all is going on in these labor disputes, but what what's the biggest difference from a player's perspective between being at a private school and a public school? You'd think the NLRB would be all over that at the same time. Hmm. Don't really know, but stay tuned to that story. That one could get real, real interesting. Hey, a quick look at the SEC. What's on tap for the Southeastern Conference on this college football's fifth weekend? That big game between the hedges, it starts at 12 o'clock Athens time on ESPN. Georgia, ranked number two, host number eight, Arkansas at Stanford at Sanford Stadium. Then you also have... An early game taking place in Como. This one's on the SEC Network. Mizzou's got Tennessee coming in to Memorial Stadium. Your mid-afternoon Brad Nestler special on CBS. This is a good one. This is number one Alabama hosting number 12 Lane Kiffin, Matt Corral, and the Sharks from the University of Mississippi. 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 T-Town time for that one. The Troy Trojans have a non-conference date at Williams-Brice Stadium. This is your SEC mid-afternoon matchup. It's Troy and the South Carolina Gamecocks. The number 10 Florida Gators are going to be in the bluegrass. They take on Kentucky with a 6 o'clock Lexington time kick on ESPN. Number 15 Texas A&M has your late uh, primetime SEC network contest. The Aggies have their fellow Maroon School in to Aggieland, the Mississippi State, and Bulldogs and Mike Leach come in for a game that kicks at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock College Station time. The Vanderbilt Commodores out of conference. They try to regroup from a 62 to nothing thumping there at home. And they've got UConn coming in. Hey, look for the Vanderbilt Commodores to win this week. That game's going to be televised on ESPNU from West End. Starts at 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Music City time. And your primetime matchup on ESPN, the Battle of the Tigers. It's Auburn ranked number 22, taking on the unranked LSU Tigers, 9 Eastern, 8 o'clock Death Valley time, where dreams go to die. And that is what's going on in the Southeastern Conference as we prepare again for this fifth weekend of college football. Man, there's going to be some great games, especially that Razorback Georgia Dog contest. And then that mid-afternoon game in Tuscaloosa is going to be worth tuning in. We're going to wrap up Hour 1 after this break. Hang on. We're going to hear all about some social media fun. And that's up next as part of Hashtag Hullabaloo.
Closing out this first hour of our Thursday Y'all Show. Time for some social media fun here on the show covering all things Southern. And we go to hashtag Hullabaloo to talk about all social media fun. And this was not planned. Earlier in the week, we had a South Carolina-centric hashtag Hullabaloo. And, hey, this is we, we, we call them like they come in. We call them like they are balls and strikes. Well, Hersony is on Twitter, at Hersony, and Hersony writes, Hola, services, they are a Spanish coach and a translator of English and Spanish. How about that? You can go to, again, the website, at H-E-R-C-E-N-Y, to learn more. But this South Carolina-centric tweet here coming from Hersony this week says, it's got a nice, beautiful picture attached. That's what caught my eye. Sunrise at Atlantic Ocean, South Carolina. I watch my sunsets today. I watch the sunrise. Hmm, That's not really good English there. You might want to work on that. If you're a Spanish coach, maybe you should take a few lessons in English. But that's okay. It's a beautiful picture. That doesn't matter what language that is. The photo is good. And you know, no matter the nationality or country of origin, a beautiful scene anywhere in the world is worth giving anybody a big thumbs up and an attaboy or a hola. (laughs) But again, she's got a photo up of a sunrise at Atlantic Ocean. Now, I don't think there's a town called Atlantic Ocean. There is a community called Atlantic Beach there in the Myrtle Beach area. And this person went out early, got a beautiful picture of sunrise. That is the one advantage, by the way, if you want to take a good picture of a sunrise at the ocean. You get a better sunrise picture on the Atlantic coast because guess what? That sun typically comes up in the east (laughs) and it doesn't come up from the south, which many of you have those southward facing beaches along the Gulf Coast. So it's not quite as pretty, but boy, those Gulf Coast sunsets now, that's, that's, that's spectacular. And you know, it's not that hard to wake up early and get you a sunrise on the Atlantic coast and then scoot over to the Gulf Coast and see that sun go down maybe somewhere on the Panhandle or maybe even in lower Alabama, maybe even on the Gulf Coast of Texas. All those are really good options. So, Hersony, thank you for sharing that. That's going to wrap up our first hour of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Guess what, y'all? we got beautiful pictures from all over the South coming up in hour number two. It's not quite as pretty as that because these are pictures that we're just having to make up because we're going to set the canvas for you of what's going on across the Southeast. We've got more headlines coming in. We've got an entertainment report and a country music report. Info on both Zach Brown and the great Alan Jackson. We'll be sharing with you in hour number two. That plus Melissa Rhodes has a Southern accent on business. All ahead on the show that covers everything Southern. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
what do you get when you combine country music information? You've got information from Hollywood. You've got news headlines from across the Southeast. And you've got business news. When you mix all of that in, you've got the second hour of this right here, what we call the Y'all Show. Now tell me where in the world you're going to find any other place that has this kind of combination of fun and informative stuff too we make you feel smart and we make you feel good john rawls my name dr feel good you can just start calling me that if you'd like dr smarty pants too because i'm making you feel rather smart here on our show where we get together and talk about the southeast on a daily basis hey to get in touch with us here pretty easy to do just pick up the old phone text us our number is 803-816-1170. We're powered by y'all.com. It is the South's homepage, and you can go there now and see some of the great content we're adding from a story standpoint. We've got great videos put on there, and just so much right there at the South's homepage, y'all.com. So we're on this Thursday crusade of information, and we appreciate you tuning in. And let's dive into again here as we start this hour with more news coming in from across the southeast. So we pick up the story from Dollar Tree. Have you been in a Dollar Tree lately? Guess what? They're going to have to start changing their name because it's false advertising. Dollar Tree has announced they're going to break the dollar price barrier as cost soar. What? What are you talking about? Dollar Tree, the Chesapeake, Virginia-based company, has had the name Dollar Tree for a long time. And I think I haven't gone in and looked at every single product at a Dollar Tree, but I think everything in there is a dollar. You know, who would have thunk it? But after expanding nationwide from only a handful of stores in Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia, Dollar Tree now breaking the mold and will sell items in some locations that exceed the dollar grab-and-go price as the cost of clothes, cars, food, and almost everything else, almost everything else, we don't charge you here at the Y'all Show. We're less than a dollar. (laughs) But all these things have gone up throughout the last year as the global economy emerges from the pandemic, and it has hurt stores like Dollar Tree. Last Last month, Dollar Tree said that rising shipping costs would take a bite of $1.50 $1.50 to $1.60 out of its per share profits this year. So that affecting the decision. Raising some prices will give the national chain some flexibility and likely more variety on its shelves, but a dollar this year will not buy you what it did in 2020. Annual inflation in the United States reached 4.2% in July, the highest in three decades. You know, that wasn't really covered. That That's the first time I've actually seen that in writing of how much it went up to, 4.2%. And this week, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that price increases have worsened amid snarled supply chains and rising labor costs. So gas prices are up. Inflation is way up, highest in three decades. How are you feeling out there? Are y'all feeling the Biden love? And I, I blame him for most. I don't blame him for all, but that's what you get. You know, the country elected this guy, and you're going to get these kind of results, I, I think. Now, the pandemic's got a lot to do with this, too, but but uh, I don't know. I mean, 
the South pretty much, I think, would be in agreement with what I just said. So, yeah, we're always going to have people, haters. We're going to have haters. But who loves 4.2% inflation? Who wants to raise their hand right now here in this class and say, yeah, that's a good number. Who wants to pay, what is it, at least a dollar, close to a dollar fifty, I think, higher gas prices for no absolute reason? And that is a Biden problem. Remember, he took a move as soon as he got in office and cut out American fuel production. I think I'm sure there's going to be somebody say, oh, no, there's a, a plant still open somewhere. But essentially, he undid America generating its own fuel like it had been, at least. And depending on OPEC, why do we need to depend on OPEC? I mean, let's get out of all of it and let's put all our money into this electric stuff. If we can do it here, let's, uh, you know, we here on this show are all about the South, but we're also pro-American. And let's stick it to the rest of the world if we can. Let's not be dependent on the rest of the world. Not even Canada. The heck with Canada. Let's do it right here. (laughs) Sorry, all you Canadian listeners. And I know we got thousands of you, maybe even millions that's what I'm talking about. So, yes, Dollar Tree. We're back to Dollar Tree. Sorry, I got carried away there. I'd, you know, I wasn't planning on getting carried away, but when I read that annual inflation went to 4.2% two months ago, that'll make you go crazy. And I did. I think the word in Spanish is loco. So Dollar Tree had begun testing higher prices at several hundred of its nearly 8,000 Dollar Tree locations, and they have a section of the store called Dollar Tree Plus with items that can go for as much as five bucks. Now, items that go for $1.25 to $1.50 will soon be found in the mix at some locations amid most of the dollar products. So, yes, that's what's going on with Dollar Tree. Shares of Dollar Tree this week jumped 13% at opening bell. That was on Wednesday. As Dollar Tree breaks the dollar barrier, the company would remain true to its promise of value. As the head of it said, we will continue to be fiercely protective of that promise, regardless of the price point, whether it's a dollar, dollar twenty-five, or a dollar fifty. All right, we're gonna hold you to that there with that statement. And that comes to us from Michael Wydinski, CEO of Dollar Tree, based out of Chesapeake, Virginia. How about that? Dollar Tree. Are y'all a Dollar Tree fan? I like my Dollar Trees. You know, that's where I go in and buy my Dollar reading glasses, my cheaters. I love my cheaters. I got a pair on now that I've had for probably two months and have not had a problem. And it cost me not a dollar fifty, a dollar plus tax. It's about a dollar ten. A very good investment. I also go into my Dollar Tree and that's where I buy my my body soap as I actually believe it or not use soap when I take a shower. And so I I buy my dollar stuff there and and I like it a lot. I think that's about all I get at Dollar Tree. I'm not in, although I did have somebody point out to me, they've got good chili in the cans there for, for a dollar. And so I bought one or two of those and you know what? They were absolutely right. Good chili and other good products at Dollar Tree. So thank goodness for the Dollar Trees, the Dollar Generals, the Family Dollars. That's a Southern thing, y'all. We love our dollar stores. You know what? This couple here, or this woman, 
from Florida doesn't have to worry about going down to her Dollar Tree anytime soon because she's got plenty of extra spending cash. A woman has bought two, two winning $2 million Mega Millions tickets in the Sunshine State. How is that possible? This woman, Susan Fitton of Boca Raton, she won twice playing the Florida Lottery's Mega Millions jackpot game. The Florida, Florida, a lot, a lot, a lot. I get mo- emotional talking about people winning $2 million times two. That's not fair. Yeah, this woman, Susan Fitton, as announced by the Florida Lottery, claimed two $2 million Mega Millions with Mega Plier prizes after the drawing was held back on September 14th. The 64-year-old matched all five white ball numbers on both tickets, but not the Mega Ball, meaning she won the lottery twice. The winning tickets were purchased at Prip Mart, and that's in Boca Raton on West Camino Real. That store, by the way, gets a $10,000 bonus commission for selling the winning tickets. So this lady, she's living it up and doing it the right way with her not one, but two lucky lotto tickets in the Sunshine State. Hmm. If I could only just win it once, I'm sure we're all saying the same darn thing. All right, that wraps up some headlines here across the southeast to start this hour up. We've got more headlines coming up, hour number three. In fact, I'm going to have some fun. We've got a story out of Colorado, of all places, and it has to do in Telluride with a Alabama native there who's stirring it up in a southern way right there in Telluride, Colorado, and he's got a lot of Crimson Tide stuff. Who would have ever thought an Alabama native would go to Colorado and open up a business and load it up with Crimson Tide stuff? Well, he's done that, but you've got to see that he's also promoting the South while he's making a lot of money and making a lot of people go out of there saying, Roll Tide. Well, you know what? Folks in Oklahoma love their Sooners. Also coming up in hour number three when we go through our headlines, a family has a yearly tradition of recreating the Oklahoma Sooners football field. And I'm going to tell you more about this really cool deal. I'm rather envious. I mean, it looks identical to what you have there at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And I can't wait to tell you what the folks are doing out there in Oklahoma. A great idea. A, a, a cool idea, and I, I've, I, I can't wait to tell you about it. You know what? I'm going to tell you about it. Boomer Sooner, we'll have all that coming up here on the Y'all Show in our third hour. When we come right back, though, from this time out, we're going to switch over, and we're going to have here on the Y'all Show some fun. We have entertainment news coming from Tinseltown. Later in the hour, Alan Jackson's in the news. He's going through some health issues. I'll share that with you. Zach Brown also going through a little health scare right now. He's got COVID-19. All that is part of our country music headlines of the day. Some good news in terms of albums. And we also have some Jason Aldean info to pass along. That's coming up later before the hour's up. Some business news. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. 
Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Back into the show covering everything Southern, including the entertainment front. John Rawl, your host here of Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. Going to have a little entertainment goings on now. Let's take you to some info about Malvern High School alumnus that's in Arkansas, Billy Bob Thornton. And he is got some news out. Billy Bob Thornton and Goliath Cast are talking about bringing the show to an end. Have you seen... The veteran actor on Goliath, Billy Bob Thornton, born in Hot Springs, Arkansas. He's now 66 years young. The versatile actor, singer, songwriter, and filmmaker, Billy Bob Thornton, who, by the way, I got to count this up. One, two, three, four, five. He's on his sixth wife. Got four kids, Billy Bob. Hey, way to go. Looking good, though, Billy Bob. So, yeah, he's been... Pretty active here in recent years with his work that you might have seen, and that would be on Goliath. As Billy Bob, in a recent interview with CNN, said that he loved playing his character there, Billy McBride, and he said it's very similar to him. Hmm, gee. Uh, He said he just kind of rolled out of bed every day and went out and did it as if I were a lawyer in Los Angeles. This series is on Amazon Prime, Goliath. And it's about a down-and-out attorney and his quest for redemption. And it's in its fourth and final season. And McBride and friends there, Billy McBride and his friends, are taking on Big Pharma, which Thornton said felt right. As he said about his character, Billy is not the type, I am not the type, who likes the idea of big corporations telling us how we should live our lives. I'm really happy that this was the final season because I think the evolution worked out perfectly. So Billy Bob now talking about 
bringing Goliath to an end. And I have not seen that. Do you do you have a chance? Have you seen that thing on Amazon Prime? How cool is Amazon Prime, if you have it, to be able to watch all these great series like Goliath or some of the movies of yesteryear and more? I think they've got some music stuff on there that's free or part of your Amazon Prime package and more. Yes, and, and Billy Bob has a great, great scene and a great, great kind of role that he's playing there. Billy Bob, let's kind of see what else he might be currently working on if Goliath is coming to an end. I don't see any other work television-wise that he's working on. He is currently working on a movie. It's a movie being filmed at the current time called The Gray Man, a thriller film directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. And it is a film that's going to be distributed and streamed by Netflix. And Billy Bob's in this one, along with Ryan Gosling. Also, you have, let's see, some other names that might be familiar. Chris Evans. The premise of this is Court Gentry, a veteran CIA operative, is betrayed by his own agency, forcing him to become a fugitive. Lloyd Hansen, a former colleague of his at the agency, is sent to hunt him down. I wonder if that's the role Billy Bob's got Billy Bob in this one is Donald Fitzroy. I don't know who Donald Fitzroy is, but uh, this one is being currently worked on. It was, let's see, filming earlier in the year in Long Beach. It looks like it's also filming in France, the Czech Republic, and other locations. Filming has wrapped on this forthcoming The Gray Man that Billy Bob Thornton is working on. This is an adaptation of the 2000 novel of the same name that Mark Greeny penned. Let's see where, where Mark Greeny Memphis, Tennessee. How about that? Uh, Mark Greeny, or Greeny, a novelist best known as Tom Clancy's collaborator on his final books during Clancy's lifetime, and then started on the Jack Ryan character series. And he's known for Gray Man series of novels, which they're working on right now. Mark Grenet, 53, 54 years old, writer, born in Memphis. And his dad, I did not know this, Ed Grenet, was a presence at WMC Television. That is the NBC affiliate in Memphis. And was a presence, I guess on-air presence, for 50 years in the station's newsroom. I don't remember seeing him there in that role. I I guess this guy grew up his whole life in in Memphis. So how cool is that? And, of course, Billy Bob's from over in Arkansas. I wonder if that had something to do with him getting a chance to be on this forthcoming movie. But the the point is, Billy Bob, he's going to find a job. He's also a singer-songwriter. And we're going to see and hear a lot more from this very, very talented and renegade entertainer. Kim Cattrall, are you familiar with this? English-Canadian actress. You probably remember her from Sex and the City, the blonde there. Kim Cattrall is 65 years old, born in Liverpool, England. I know she was raised, I think, most of her childhood. She was raised in British Columbia, but got on Sex and the City, that series from 1998 to 2004. If you're old enough Sadly, as a guy, you might have been around a woman at this time, period of 98 to 2004. If you're a woman, you might have been doing this stuff, and heck, guys might have been doing it. But women would often gather on Sunday nights when the new episode of Sex in the City would be unveiled. 
that's in the days before you could go streaming it at your own house. You had to go be a subscriber of HBO. So you'd have these watch parties of Sex in the City back in those days. Oh, those were the days. That's why I was so excited when I got to go once to a watch party for an HBO series. But it wasn't Sex in the City. It was Band of Brothers. Now, that was truly awesome. And, you know, I think that came on Sunday nights. So I wonder if it maybe preceded Sex in the City. And I think it was Sunday night that Sex in the City would come on. Don't know. Been a, been a little bit of a, a ways since I had a chance to see some of that fun stuff. But Kim Cattrall in the news because this veteran actress, we just told you about Billy Bob Thornton, she is working in Alabama. She's going to be part of the Robert De Niro movie that's being filmed in this new film being filmed in the great city along the Gulf Coast of Alabama. It is called About My Father. The project's based on events in the life of comedian actor Sebastian Maniscalco, who co-wrote the screenplay and plays a version of himself. It's the story of Maniscalco's father, an old-school Italian immigrant, inviting himself along on the pivotal weekend visit when his son plans to propose to his fiance. So how about that? Filming this in Mobile and this veteran actress going to that city. There's been several things recently filmed in the Birmingham area, but always good to see the Gulf Coast of Alabama getting some film love as well. Now, De Niro in this will play the father role, and it's going to be really cool to see him in that. More recently, Leslie Bibb, whose previous roles include appearing on Vanity Fair reporter Christine Everhart in Iron Man and Iron Man 2, she is going to be the actress who will play Ellie, the fiancé, in this movie. So, Leslie Bibb, you've got De Niro, and now Kim Cattrall, or Cattrall, however you pronounce it, all coming down to South Alabama for this pretty cool film effort that we'll be filming there as she is a four-time Golden Globe Award nominee actress, and she won the 2002 Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. So how about that, as I would say that for this English-Canadian actress. Now, I threatened it, and I'm going to lay it out here. We don't talk about Broadway very much on the Y'all Show, but I do need to take a little time because some of these people have Southern connections, like Kristen Chenoweth, the very talented actress who's an Oklahoma native. She was part of the 2021 Tony Awards, and they had the 74th Tony Awards Sunday. And right there on Broadway, they honored productions from two different seasons, 2019 and 2020. Let me walk through some of the winners. Moulin Rouge, the musical, won for Best Musical. The Best Play went to The Inheritance. The best revival of a play, a soldier's play, was the winner of that. You had a winner in the best book of a musical category, Jagged Little Pill, Diablo Cody, the winner. The best original score went to A Christmas Carol. The best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play went to Andrew Burnap in The Inheritance. The winner of the best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play went to Mary Louise Parker. That's a good Southern girl. She's the one, I believe, born in Columbia, South Carolina. Let me double check that because she's also, of course, been in movies and TV roles and things like that. Mary Louise Parker, born 
not in Columbia. Apologies there. She was born at Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. I guess she was an Army brat. Mary Louise Parker, the UNC alum as well. And you might remember her from her roles in Fried Green Tomatoes. She's also been in the movie Grand Canyon. And she started on Broadway at, as Rita in Craig Lucas's Prelude to a Kiss. So she's been in all types of entertainment stuff. Mary Louise Parker and MLP is your winner for The Sound Inside, which was the best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play. The best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical went to Andrew Tivet and Moulin Rouge, the musical. Best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical went to Adrian Warren for Tina, the Tina Turner musical. David Allen Greer, A Soldier's Play, won for best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play. Best performance by an actress in a featured role for a play went to Lois Smith, The Inheritance. Okay, there's tons more winners, so I'm just going to have to pass along. You can go look up this stuff yourself. But the latest Tony Awards, again, held this week on Broadway. And congratulations to the Southerners and others who got big, big trophies added to their already probably large cabinet full of awards. The Y'all Show is an award-winning show of our own right. I don't know if we're going to win a Tony anytime soon, but we, we sure ought to. When we come back, we're going to switch it over from Broadway to Lower Broadway, Nashville, Tennessee, is where we're headed. It's country music talk, and we will have that coming up. Something's been going on with Alan Jackson. I'll let you know about that. And Zach Brown testing positive for COVID-19. I'll share you the latest on that. That's up next. Get a strong one, we're gonna have some fun tonight. Don't wanna be the castaway, gonna let the sunshine in. Just like the other one, make it a double run, we're gonna cast away tonight. Don't wanna be the castaway, gonna let the sunshine in. I wanna be a castaway and leave the world behind. Take a tropical holiday, say goodbye to keeping time, wasting away down by the coast. And chasing life, easy living down in paradise. Pour me another one, make it a strong one. We're gonna have some fun tonight. Just like the other one, make it a double run. We're gonna cast away tonight. I'm ever gonna leave I'd rather stay and watch the waves Move the sand beneath my feet Reggae on the radio Laying low and feeling high Easy living down in paradise Pour me another one Make it a strong one We're gonna have some fun tonight Now that one will put you in an island mode, won't it? We're back on y'all Time for some country music news That song there coming from a good Georgia boy Zach Brown of the Zach Brown Band fame, and we've got some news on this Georgia boy. He has tested positive for COVID-19, and that is affecting his schedule. We also have other Georgia boy country music news that we'll be sharing with you momentarily. Alan Jackson has his own health crisis he's going through, 
and we'll fill you in on some news on Jason Aldean. All that ahead here on the Y'all Show as we scoot over and cover for a few minutes some country music goings on. So, about Zach, about the 43-year-old Atlanta-born Lake Lanier-raised singer. Unbelievable talent is Zach Brown. He has tested positive for COVID-19 and the band's concert at DT Energy Music Theater that was scheduled for today in Michigan, that has been canceled. Sorry, all you Michiganders, you're not going to see the Zach Brown band. As Brown wrote on Twitter, I have made the very difficult decision to pause Zach Brown band's The Comeback Tour. Hmm, I didn't know he went away. Let me read his whole statement here since I have a moment. If you don't mind, I'll read it right from the horse... The horse's mouth, okay, from Zach Brown. It says, to all our fans, I have made the very difficult decision to pause Zach Brown Band's The Comeback Tour despite taking precautions. I've tested positive for COVID-19. I am deeply disappointed this has happened as touring is our life and performing live for our fans is the best part of our job. The bottom line is that I want to take every precaution to put the health and safety of our fans and crew first. We will resume the tour as soon as I have finished the CDC-mandated quarantine, and it is safe for our band members and crew to do so. I am grateful to our fans for understanding this decision, as well as everyone on the front lines who can't stay at home because their work is essential. I believe we can all overcome this together. As soon as we can, we'll see you back out on the road again. Nothing's better than the comeback. Signed. Zach, signed Zach Brown. So a very good, powerful message to the fans coming from the official social media account for Zach Brown Band, at Zach Brown Band. But having to make this tough decision to cancel shows today, he's got shows canceled in Pennsylvania and New York. Fans who bought tickets will be refunded. And the band will resume touring, as Brown said, as soon as as possible but this great singer becoming the latest to have to go into quarantine to try to overcome some of the the real problems we've got here and gosh i just hope he's okay i hope everybody who's dealing with this awful virus gets through this as much as possible a personal note since we're talking about lake lanier we're talking about georgia we're talking about covid19 I had a great friend of mine's mother pass away from COVID just about a week and a half ago. And I talked to my friend on Wednesday, first time we'd actually had a phone conversation. And he filled me in with more of the details. And it's really a horrible, sad thing because I have not heard of anybody dying of COVID in the way that his mother died within 24 hours. She felt bad on a Thursday. She went into the hospital, got tested on Friday. They tested, she tested positive. Her husband had been tested positive for over a week, and he was kind of on the end of his COVID-19 two-week period deal. And she didn't come down with it right until he was nearly done with it, her husband, that is. And so my friend's mom gets tested positive on a Friday. They checked her vital signs. Everything was fine, essentially telling her, go home, do what your husband's done, just just quarantine, and you should be fine. Well, she goes home. She has a bad afternoon 
Ultimately, that night, they call in an ambulance. The ambulance comes, checks her. Her vitals are fine. The ambulance, essentially, the, the EMTs pack up their things and get ready to head on out. My friend's sister goes in and checks on the mother while the EMT workers are still in the driveway, and her mom's out of it. And so they come back in, and her heart had stopped beating. They had to get her in the ambulance, and they got enough of a heartbeat back, but she ended up dying. So she died roughly within 24 hours of being tested positive for COVID-19. Now, you could easily make the guess, or you could easily draw to a conclusion it could have been something else, and it probably was. My friend said there could have been a lung embolism that caused this, but it still was caused by COVID, whatever the case was. And this person, again, was within 24 hours of being diagnosed positive, and they were in their late 60s. I don't know anything more about them, but uh, I had not heard of someone succumbing to COVID that quickly as this person did. And of course, this is all because of the Delta variant going on. And this lady lived in the, I think she lived in Forsyth County is where she was from. I know that's where my friend grew up there in the coming area, but uh, just a sad story. And unfortunately, there are hundreds of thousands of sad, sad COVID-19 related stories. I just did not have heard of anybody succumbing to COVID that quickly. As horrible as it is, my goodness, um, just just unbelievably how horrible this thing is. Well, Alan Jackson's also in the news. As he has revealed, he's got a degenerative illness that is affecting his performing. He went on the Today Show as he visited with the former first daughter of the United States, Jenna Hager, daughter of George W. and Barbara Bush, And he told her in the interview on the Today Show that he suffered for years with this degenerative nerve condition known as Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease. Now, I'm going to tell you kind of a funny story about when I saw this thing listed for Alan Jackson, of all people. According to Alan Jackson, this is a genetic neuropathy and neurological disease that he inherited from his own father. And that would be Daddy Gene, Gene Jackson who, of course, Alan wrote about in his song, Drive, that was a big hit. As Alan Jackson went on in the interview to say, there's no cure for it, but it's been affecting me for years, and it's getting more and more obvious. And I know I'm stumbling around on stage, and I know I'm having a little trouble balancing, even in front of the microphone, and so I just feel very uncomfortable. The disease is not deadly, and Alan Jackson, who for decades has been a huge country music singer with songs like Chattahoochee and Don't Rock the Jukebox and more, many, many more, said he's living with it. And so we wish him all the best in going through what he's going through. He says that he's not saying he won't be able to tour. He says he'll try to do as much touring as he possibly can. I have not seen Alan Jackson in concert. He's one of my favorite singers. I have enjoyed almost everything he's ever put out and he's put out a bunch of stuff do you remember what his first single was if you know that text me and don't cheat his first single text that to me at 803-816-1170 and hint 
His first single was not a hit. It was not a hit. And a friend of mine, he and I often reminisce about that song that was not a hit, the first Alan Jackson release to radio. And the reason we do is because when he was in high school, when this thing came out, maybe he was in his first year of college, this song ended up being on the jukebox at his local pizza restaurant in his North Carolina hometown. And that's the only song he knew Alan Jackson by was this song here. And uh, it, I didn't half know it because it wasn't a big hit at radio. And I should have known. I worked in country music radio at this time, but we didn't play it. The one thing I'll share with Alan Jackson since he's going through this tough time with Charcot-Marie tooth disease, I didn't like Alan Jackson when he first came out. You know why? Because his record company just inundated radio stations with this nice black and white photo of him, almost trying to push more of the sexy side of Alan than the music side. And I hated when record companies tried to get you to play records because somebody looked good. Well, I'm not really into judging guys, okay? Uh, And so, mm, Alan, you're a good-looking guy. I'll go ahead and say it now. But I didn't like you for that. But, boy, I liked you when I started hearing other really good songs from that debut album and you heard just that good country sound. And that's the one thing Alan Jackson will never be accused of, of being either a rapper or a rock and roller. He's a good old country boy, and we like that. He's also from Georgia. Now, if you know anything about my background, after working at that little radio station playing Alan Jackson's other songs, I ended up ultimately, I'm not trying to brag here, I'm just bringing this out because of this latest story about Alan going through Charcot-Marie tooth disease. So one of these articles this week I read about Alan Jackson having this thing is he used the acronym for this disease when he was talking about how terrible it was. (laughs) And so when I heard him bashing CMT, Charcot-Marie tooth disease, I was dumbfounded. How could Alan Jackson trash talk CMT? Now, I thought he was talking about country music television, a place I worked for for several years back in the era of songs like, uh, let's see here, when I was there, we had great Alan Jackson songs. Like I was there the day that Chattahoochee came out. I was playing Alan Jackson's music videos for... um, Home, that's a good song that he put out around that same time. And just all of those mid-90s, that's when I was rocking and rolling at country music television in Nashville. But but the crazy thing is this disease he's got goes by the initials CMT. And how crazy is that, that Alan Jackson's now got CMT. And unfortunately, that other CMT, country music television, Hardly ever plays Alan Jackson's videos, but we sure did when I was there. And I didn't have a problem putting it on repeat, frankly. Love Alan Jackson's music. And he had some very good music videos back in the day. You know, Alan's a good Georgia boy. Let me tell you about another good Georgia boy. That's Jason Aldean. And he has announced his latest album. It's his 10th studio album, Making Georgia. And the big green tractor singer, Y'all probably have seen and heard that one before. Seen it on CMT, heard it on the radio. Jason says, my little hometown of Macon was heavily instrumental in my musical background. 
Well, actually, Macon's not that little, Jason, compared to a lot of other cities in the Peach State. So, yeah, he has his new album named after his hometown. I wonder if he was born in Macon. Let me do a little digging here. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was born in Macon, but let me just confirm that here. Thanks to my good friend, Wikipedia. Jason was born in Macon, Georgia on February 28th of 1977. He weighed 13 pounds, 4 ounces. Not, I'm kidding on that one. Don't know about his uh, birth weight. But yeah, he was born in Georgia and often would spend summers with his dad down in Homestead, Florida. So he kind of went across the state line a fair amount growing up. But Jason Aldean, of course, known for all of his work and all of his hits there on the Broken Bow imprint. He's got so many good, good songs throughout the years. And from Hicktown, you might remember that one. That was a huge one. You also had Johnny Cash was a big song, Laughed Until We Cried. He really has done a good job of, of keeping the hits coming. And this is a singer, again, that's gone through some real tragedy as he was the one on stage during that Route 51 thing out there, or Route 81 festival in Vegas when the awful shooting happened a few years back. Jason has received four Grammy Award nominations throughout his career, best for uh, two times, twice for Best Country Album. And he has had lots of success on the charts. And you know what? He's gearing up for more success with this latest 10th studio album, Macon, Georgia. And it has 20 new songs and at least one live hit off his previous albums. And it will come out not, it's not quite ready. It's going to be out a while. Um, According to Jason, on November 12th, fans will have access to nine of the tracks and five live tracks. And that comprises half of Macon, Georgia, which is a 30-track double album that's going to be kind of rolled out over the following months. I don't think it's going to be until April of next year you're going to have the whole thing ready in one nice, happy little package. Regarding the double release, Aldine says, where you were raised has such a big influence on who you become, and for me, it's no different, especially from a music standpoint. My little hometown of Macon was heavily instrumental in my musical background, growing up in an environment that was a crossroads between country music, southern rock, blues, and R&B, it was just natural to blend different sounds in my own way. Well, there you have it. And again, this thing's got several live performances. It's a 30-track album, so we'll let him have his live performances. Some of them come from Vegas. He's got some from Knoxville, some of the live performances. He's even got some from Bonnaroo, Blame It On You, live from Manchester, Tennessee. So, yeah, there you have it. New music from Jason Aldean, but you're going to have to wait a little longer for the whole thing to come out. You don't have to wait any longer for these new releases, which are available right now. As Randy Travis, Ain't No Use, is out. And this is part of the Storms of Life re-release. That came out 35 years ago. And Ain't No Use is one of the tracks not released from that initial Storms of Life recordings, but is now part of this 2021 edition of Storms of Life. How about that? Can't wait to hear it. Randy Travis. In fact, I'm going to play it as we get ready to go to break here in a second. You can uh, hear a little RT for yourself. Willie Nelson's got a new release called Family Bible, and that ought to be good from the Redheaded Stranger. 
The singer Mickey Guyton, you've seen her hosting some shows. She's got her album out called Lay It One Me. I think that's not correct there in the heading. I think it might be Lay It On Me. But yes, she has had the great song Lay It On Me, part of the debut album Remember Her Name. And that from, again, I won't call her a newcomer. She's been out a few years now. Mickey Guyton. Natalie Hemby Penwill, also out. And a new one from Kid G. Don't know who this is, but Down Home Boy is the name of that one. All of this, again, part of the fun that you can find if you end up getting a little bit of country music in your bones. We're going to take a break here and come back. We'll wrap up the hour with Melissa Rhodes. She's got a southern accent on business. And that follows a little Randy Travis, y'all. We'll be back with more, y'all. I'll just learn to get along without it, girl. You turn your head and I have to shout. It ain't no use to talk to you about love. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Southern Accent. Here's the Business South update from Y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Condé Nast Traveler has an article up that's quite timely. 14 fall vacations to take this year. Only four southern destinations made the CNT editor's cut, sadly. St. Michael's, Maryland, Asheville, North Carolina, Kansas City, Missouri, and Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Crabs are king at the eastern shore hamlet of St. Michael's, Maryland, and a visit to the private Glenstone Mansion is a must. The Blue Ridge Parkway and the scenery around Asheville makes this western North Carolina city a southern must-do. KCMO might be a big city, but attractions like the Lewisburg Cider Mill and Cider Fest bring a down-home feel to Kansas City. Beautiful fall foliage, quaint B&Bs, and plenty of outdoor activities make Eureka Springs in northwest Arkansas an easy escape for most throughout the region. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. All right, did y'all get all that down? I did, and if you need me to share it with you, just hit me up here at our text line, and we'll be happy to pass along those great destinations here across the southeast. Thank you, Melissa, for that. That wraps up our second hour. Got one more to go. We're going to kick it off with some sports news, and we also have more headlines coming up. All that ahead on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent and our swan song of this Thursday, our third hour.
text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome, y'all, to the final hour of our Thursday get-together. This is what we call the Y'all Show, and on this program, we put the South front and center, and we make no apologies. The South's a pretty cool place, and if you agree with that, I think you're going to like this last hour of our Thursday Y'all Show, and if you don't agree with that, well, listen, just listen to me, and we'll get your tune changed, and you'll be all about the South just like we are. If you want to connect to us here at the Y'all Show, our number 803-816-1170. The Y'all Show is available in podcast form. If you can't catch us on one of our awesome radio affiliates across the Southland, you can find us at the iHeart app, the TuneIn Radio app, also on Apple Podcast app. We're on the Spotify and Stitcher apps. We're also available in podcast form at y'all.com. Go there and search for Y'all Show and you'll see us right there. You know, y'all.com is the South's homepage. And we here at the Y'all Show are proud of that homepage. We've got great content. And mixed in with that content are video interviews of yours truly, John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. And you can find all that and it's free. It's better than the Dollar Tree deals. It's right there awaiting your free perusal and your free downloads if you want to listen or watch. Check it out and tell everybody about it. That's the one thing we ask you here is to please don't hold back. Please tell everybody about the Y'all Show and our partner website, y'all.com, the South's homepage. Okay, coming up here in this final hour, we have some great stuff to pass along. We'll do that in our next segment, stuff that has to do with this thing we call the South. We also have a look at more headlines before we get out of here today. Plus, we're just hours away from the weekend, and we've got a look as we hit the first weekend in October. We've got a look at some great festivals and events going on across all kinds of places in the South. And that's part of our Festive South feature coming up at the end of our show today. Let's dive into some more sports information across the Southeast today and excited to bring you in on all the fun from a sports perspective. First off, from the college football perspective, you've got some college football going on on this Thursday. As we close out the month of September, we're going to do it in style from Hard Rock Stadium. ESPN's prime time lineup, the Miami Hurricanes hosting the Virginia Cavaliers. Now, sorry, all you ACC lovers. Neither Miami nor the Virginia Cavaliers are ranked. They both are struggling entering this contest. Miami probably more so than the Hoos. But it's not a good thing for either one of these programs that seem to be maybe locked in neutral, possibly in reverse. And it ain't fun for Manny Diaz when his program's going in reverse. Miami already this year beat by Alabama. That's understandable. But they got beat by Michigan State. They 
almost lost to Appalachian State. They just need a few Central Connecticut states to stop by from time to time because that was the last opponent. And that score, if you didn't see it from last weekend, was even bigger than Vanderbilt's loss to the Georgia Bulldogs. I think Vanderbilt lost 62 nothing to the Dogs, and CCSU lost 69 nothing to the Hurricanes. And this week, Manny Diaz, coach of the Hurricanes, had to defend the administration over criticism. Criticism that there was not a strong enough commitment to football from the U. And he had to stand up. I don't know. I mean, one thing, Miami is a private school. So there's things different when you're at a private school. It's also Carl Gables, Florida. And it's a school that's had great success. But there's always been a weird... I would not call it a symbiotic relationship, but there's always just been something weird about Miami. It's because the school itself is a very respected academic institution. And then they've had all these not-so-respected athletes through the years. And you're like, how in the world does that guy go to that school? And then it's the fact that Carl Gables is a kind of exclusive area of Miami, And here you've got this exclusive college. But this team is not so exclusive. This team attracts a lot of the orange-collar crowd, if you will, since that's one of the colors of the U. And they don't have a history here lately of filling up Miami, the Hard Rock Stadium there. I think they did have a pretty good history of almost filling up the old Orange Bowl Stadium when they played there. They play at Hard Rock Stadium, which is at least 45 minutes away from the Carl Gables campus. It's a kind of a dysfunctional place. I'm a little surprised they've had as much success over the last 40 years that they've had. And right now, Manny Diaz trying to do his best to get them back to the mountaintop of ACC and national prominence because they've been off that mountaintop for a long time, going back now 20 years when they got absolutely hosed by the referees in that game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. So Manny Diaz having to defend his program. Then you got UVA, the other opponent in this matchup on this primetime ESPN contest. And Bronco Mendenhall, I thought, was taking the Hoos where they needed to be. But I I don't know. I mean, let's, let's look at Virginia's schedule thus far. Virginia – enters this contest against the U 2 and 2. Now they beat the heck out of the tribe of William and Mary to get things going and they backed that up with a win, a very good convincing win against Brett Bielma's Illini from the University of Illinois. But then they went on the road to UNC. This is a team they had defeated for years consecutively and they fell apart late in that one. They lost to North Carolina in a rivalry game 59-39. So you would think they would regroup, come back home, and square themselves away. They lost by 20 points at home to Wake Forest last week. 37-17, Dave Clawson's boys go into Scott Field and walk away victorious against Virginia. And now UVA sits at 2-2. Two and two. And what is that, 0-2 oh in ACC play? It's not looking good, and... Somebody's going to have to come out of this battle. This is a 
coastal division clash right now when these two get together on this primetime affair on ESPN. And if you lose this one, you definitely should be able to kind of cancel your plans for Charlotte in early December. I can't imagine that you will be able to get in for the ACC championship game by going 0-3. But this Coastal Division, one of the things I tuned in earlier in the week and saw Packer and Durham on the ACC Network talking about is this conference maybe for the first time in 10 years and certainly for the first time since you've had Louisville join the conference. And we can go ahead and throw in Syracuse for that matter too. Pitt, don't want to leave you out. It is truly a wide-open league, the Atlantic Coast Conference. From the Coastal Division alone, Virginia Tech is your – well, there's a couple teams who haven't had an ACC game, so it's not fair to necessarily call them out quite yet. Those teams who haven't even had a conference game include Duke, Pitt, and the Miami Hurricanes. But the – Hokies, they got that big opening night win against UNC to start off 1-0 in conference play. And Virginia Tech slowly but surely getting up there. They're 3-1 and now overall. And with a win coming up, they can get into the top 25. The real crazy change it looks like for this year in ACC football is what's happening on the Atlantic side with Wake Forest already getting two conference wins. The Demon Deacons are 2-0 and in ACC play. The Clemson Tigers are 1-1, one and, one. and Clemson trails Louisville and NC State. Both of those teams have not lost in conference play. So how about for the first time we might see a Wake Forest team end up in Charlotte? We've never seen a Louisville team represent the Atlantic Division. We have not seen an NC State Wolfpack team represent the division. BC's not been there, nor has Syracuse or Boston College. So only FSU and Clemson have represented the Atlantic Division, as far as my noggin can remember, in the ACC championship game. And then every school from the West, or rather West, every school from the Coastal Division has been in Charlotte for the conference championship, with the one exception possibly Pitt. But I think even Pitt has played in the ACC championship game. Let me double-check that because I know that was a point of pride, frankly, for the Pitt Panther or for the conference that every team had rotated at some point. I mean, when Duke goes and plays for an ACC title, that's pretty impressive. And I know Duke did it several years ago when Cutcliffe brought them on. Yet Duke, or rather Pitt, played in the 2018 ACC championship game and they got beat 42-10 to 10 by you-know-who, the Clemson Tigers. So every team, I think Virginia was the last team to finally punch their ticket to go play in the ACC championship game at Bank of America Stadium. We say all this to remind you again that you've got college football being played at the FBS level when Virginia and the Miami Hurricanes get together for a little primetime affair on ESPN. Now let me also look and see if there's any kind of FCS fun going on on this Thursday because here at the Y'all Show, we like to mention all things Southern, and that includes our 1AA schools 
who deserve attention, just like the big boys, don't you think? Yeah, uh, we think so. So on this Thursday, on the FCS level, if you maybe have ESPN+, Plus, you can tune in and see some of the fun from various stadiums around the South and around the country. I know there's going to be action, surely to goodness, somewhere, but at least according to the initial query I had here for week five Thursday night, nothing pulled up there. Let me try one other little click here and see if it doesn't show up here for FCS football for Thursday, September 30th. It looks like we got, let's see here. Uh, Thursday, September 30th. Okay, yeah, okay. This was a little bit uh, of a surprise because I just saw these guys, I think, last Thursday night on ESPNU. Your other game, college football-wise, from the Division One level, features the Panthers and the Lions. Is this an NFL matchup? No. This is a SWAC battle going on on ESPNU. You can tune in and see the Golden Lions of the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. UAPB will be playing at Panther Stadium. And that is where they'll be taking on the Prairie View A&M Panthers. This is a 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central kick on ESPNU. So that one going on alongside the college game from Miami's Hard Rock Stadium. Little FCS fun from the SWAC with UAPB and PVA&M. By the way, Prairie View, give them credit. They've got a big game coming up soon. They are 3-1 and one in the SWAC. They're actually leading the western side of the SWAC right now. They have had one loss. A very good Incarnate Word team is doing great in the Southland Conference this year. And that's the only loss Prairie View A&M has had thus far. They beat Texas Southern convincingly. They beat the heck out of Houston Baptist. That's a pretty big win. And then they beat Grambling just the other day, 24-10. And now with this game at home against UAPB, I would expect them to do well on this game on this Thursday. But the game they've got circled is a game outside of conference play, and it happens on November 20th when A&M, that would be Prairie View A&M, from right there in southeast Texas, they go up the road a few miles, frankly, to College Station, and Prairie View is going to take on Texas A&M on November 20th. And I think this is the first time this HBCU has ever taken on the Goliath A&M Aggies, that, that other A&M, <laughs> the one in College Station. So that ought to be kind of cool come November 20th when that goes down. A reminder, NFL action also on this Thursday night. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars there at Paul Brown Stadium to do, to take on Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And that game kicks off on the NFL Network at 8.20 Eastern, 7.20 Central Time. How about Joe Burrow and the job the Bengals did this past weekend going into Pittsburgh and laying it on Steel Nation? What a fantastic victory 24-10, and Cincinnati now 2-1 and one on the season. If Burrow can just stay healthy, you know, he went down last year in such an ugly way. If he could play and, and get through this season, his second year, Bengal fans, I think there are some out there, 
you have a lot to look forward to because Burrow just might be able to take his amazing talent from the one year he was at LSU and, barring injury, keep it going on the professional level and building up this franchise. You might see the Cincinnati Bengals capture the AFC North this year. It doesn't look like the Steelers have it going on. It doesn't look like maybe, who else, Baltimore, the Ravens. They've had their problems as well. And I can't say anything bad about the Browns at this point because they look pretty impressive too. How about the Bengals and the Browns dueling it out for AFC North contention? Now, that would be something else, the Battle of Ohio. Our Yankee friends ought to like that one. By the way, looking at the standings of the NFL as we get ready here for what will be the fourth weekend of the regular season, the Bills do have a winning record. They're the only team with a winning record in the AFC East. The AFC North, of which we were just talking about, it's got three teams. Give the Ravens a little cred. They are tied with the Bengals and Browns entering this fourth weekend of play with a 2-1 and one mark. Steelers 1-2 and two thus far. The AFC South, my expert on that division, has already decided to give the crown of the AFC South to the team that plays at Nissan Stadium as the Titans are 2-1 and one and lead this division. And what happened was this past weekend – Tennessee had the Indianapolis Colts in for a game, and it was a four-game swing, according to my insider. And as a result of the Titans winning, the Colts went to 0-3. And the Colts already have this one loss to the Titans. The Titans have multiple wins already in front of Indy. And with Houston being 1-2, the Jags are 0-3. I would think the Titans should be able to come out of this season once again, your AFC South champions. But they do have just a slight edge right now as we are getting ready this weekend to enter almost the 25% completion factor for the year. Remember, with 17 games, uh, four games out of 17 is not quite 25%, but will be 23% of the season done after it's all said and done this weekend. you got two undefeated teams in the AFC West, the Raiders and Broncos. Chargers also have had some impressive victories, including this past weekend, winning against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chargers and Justin Herbert are 2-1. and one. Switching over to the NFC, Cowboys look mighty impressive in their Monday night game. The boys are 2-1, and one, and they're the only team with a winning record in the NFC East. The WFT and the Eagles are at 1-2. and two. Giants still looking for their first win of the year. NFC North, Aaron Rodgers and his long hair have guided that team to the 2-1 and one mark, the only winning record in the NFC North. Bears and Vikings are at 1-2. The hapless Detroit Lions, man, they should be about 2-1 and one right now. And I, I feel sorry for them, I mean, especially after what happened in that game against Baltimore. Boy, hmm. Lions 0-3. To the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers have the only undefeated record in this division. Panthers are 3-0. They've got a game at Dallas early on Sunday. That ought to be well worth the price of admission. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2-1. That's the same record the Saints have. The Falcons picked up a thrilling win in New York against the Giants this past weekend. And with that win, they provide Coach Smith his first NFL victory as a head coach. Atlanta now 1-2. The NFC West, it is, some people say, the best division in the NFL this year. Rams and Cardinals, both undefeated at 3-0. and 
The Niners are two and one. Seattle, hard to believe, but the Hawks are one and two as we sit right here almost to that 25% completion or end of the first part of the year of the NFL schedule. So that's a look at some sports news. We've got some interesting things about sports in a more newsworthy fashion that we're going to be telling you about in our headlines coming up here in just a few minutes. And it's got to do with some college football fandom And that is coming up. Fans of the Alabama Crimson Tide definitely want to make sure you stick around for what's going on out in Colorado and the love one family has for the Oklahoma Sooners is a little bit newsworthy. And we'll have that as part of our headlines from across the South coming up later. But up next, we've got some other helpful and useful information about Dixie that we'll be bringing to you right after this. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Somebody say Alabama, back into the y'all show, and we are here covering everything across the heart of Dixie and beyond all of the Southeast, as we have so much great stuff to pass along, and oftentimes we have partners in crime to help share the information with you, and today, thanks to Advanced Local and their website, AL.com, they've got an article up about the 45 must-see festivals and fairs in Alabama this fall. Now, I'm going to kind of zip through this and may skip around just slightly, but I will do my best to share with you, or should I say (laughs) y'all, what's going on in Alabama. 45 must-see events that are happening right now, late September through mid-November. If you're an Alabamian, you probably know about a bunch of this stuff. If you're not, you're not from Alabama. <laughs> you can get your tail to the heart of Dixie and check out all of these great, great options. Let's start in Coleman. Did you realize Oktoberfest? Yavol! Oktoberfest goes down in Coleman. A celebration of German heritage and culture. They've got food, beer, music, dancing. A wiener dog race. And this happens this weekend in Coleman, Alabama. Most events are free. Also, this weekend in Alabama. This is at Athens State University in Athens. It's the Tennessee Valley Old Time Fiddlers Convention. Music competitions, performances, old time arts, and more on the campus of Athens State University. It is free 
today, but on October 1st and 2nd, it's $15 a day. You have to go to Eventbrite to get your tickets. Also this weekend, how about what's going on in Pinson and the Birmingham area? This one's free, but what a cool name. You got the Alabama Butterbean Festival with food booths. How about a food booth of nothing but butter beans? They might have that if you go to Main Street, Pinson, and that's going on this weekend. Now, I'm going to keep bouncing through this thing, and we'll get some stuff beyond this weekend so you can make your plans if it's too late. But it might not be too late to get down to Fayette. That's not all that far from Tuscaloosa. And right there at Fayette downtown near Temple Avenue North and 2nd Avenue Northeast, this weekend, it's the Alabama Frog Level Festival and Cruise Inn. They got a frog jumping contest, fireworks, cornhole tournament, and a classic car show, Fayette in West Alabama, this weekend. That's worth turning up Leonard Skinner for. Oh, let's go south. Boaz is where we'll go. And Boaz this weekend, it's the Boaz Harvest Festival. In downtown Boaz, that's right around Main Street and Bartlett Avenue, is where you have arts and crafts on display, children's activities, and a pumpkin contest at the Boaz Harvest Festival. In Boaz, make sure you put it in your phone right, Boaz, Alabama, B-O-A-Z. Where's Boaz? I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. I completely have failed my Alabama geography. For some reason, I have a hard time. Whoa, that's not what I want to hear. See, the referees are coming in and stopping me, and I don't blame them. I have a hard time with my four-letter words. In this case, I, I'm sorry, I, I got a hard time with my three-letter words, too. It looks like, for whatever reason in my brain, I confuse op with Boaz. Don't ask me why. I've been to Op, I've been to Boaz, I should know better, but y'all, Op is definitely in South Alabama, Boaz ain't. Boaz is right on 431, roughly halfway between Gadsden and Albertville, really right next to Albertville. In fact, that's what a lot of people consider it, Albertville-Boaz, and Gunnersville is right up the road, beautiful part of the Sand Mountain area. See, I know that. So give me some credibility here, y'all. But yeah, in Boaz, not op. Hmm. Boaz Harvest Festival going on this weekend. Also in Sullivan. I know where that is. That's right on the Mississippi line in West Alabama. A suburb of Hatley, Mississippi is Sullivan. And this weekend, it's Old Fashioned Day. That starts at 7 o'clock on Saturday in downtown Sullivan. Got a flea market, a parade, and a car show there. In Center, Alabama this weekend, it's the Center Fall Festival with a parade, a fun run, inflatables, and more. Let's see what we got going on in Hoover coming up on Saturday. It's the Bluff Park Art Show. There's a lot of stuff for this weekend alone. I told you this thing, this this article covers stuff all the way through November, but and we'll get there. I bet I knew yeah, I knew exactly where this one was, and I didn't even have the town listed. According to AL.com, this weekend in 
Irondale. It's the Whistle Stop Festival with live music, children's activity. Of course, this is home of that Whistle Stop restaurant where supposedly fried green tomatoes were born. All right, let's move on beyond this weekend to tell you about some stuff down the road in case you need a little bit more planning. Coming up October 6th through 9th, that would be next weekend, and this is taking place on Dolphin Island. It is the Alabama Coastal Bird Fest, and it's not only on Dolphin Island, it's also at the Perch Creek Nature Trail Preserve with workshops, boat tours, kayak tours, and more. A beautiful setting for a beautiful month of October on the Alabama Gulf Coast, the Alabama Coastal Bird Fest. Now back to Hoover in central Alabama, coming up October 7th, it is the Taste of Hoover, as they have food from all kinds of restaurants in the Hoover area. That's the community just to the south of downtown Birmingham, and you can enjoy a Taste of Hoover next weekend. Also next weekend in Headland, Alabama, it is the Headland Harvest Festival, and that takes place in and around the city square of this community. And, okay, take my Alabama credentials away. I need a little cheater on Headland, Alabama, because I don't think I've been there. I'm usually pretty good with my places. It must be in the wiregrass. I'm pretty sure that it is. Headland is, let's see here. I see where, hmm, Headland is just to the north of Dothan. Okay, so it is in the wiregrass, southeast corner of the state. But yeah, I don't think I've been to Headland. I have been to, let's see here. Hmm, no, there's a lot of places. I just know one time I went through the small town in Florida that's in that area. What is that town? It's the county seat south of the Alabama line. What is that town? Why is it not coming up? Um, maybe be Campbellton. Is that a county seat? Sorry. Uh, Mariana. I, I think that's it. Mariana, Florida. Yeah, I've been there, but we're not talking about Florida, y'all, so let me shut up. <laughs> coming up on October 8th through 10th at the Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham. It's the Barber Vintage Festival. It's a motorcycle classic show. They've got a swap meet, fan gatherings, and more all right there in Birmingham, Alabama. Moving on later on in the month, let's take you to the middle of the month. Also in Birmingham, October 14th through 16th, it's the Birmingham Greek Festival at the Holy Trinity Holy Cross Greek Orthodox Cathedral. They've got, golly, believe this or not, they got Greek food, music, dancing, and more at the Birmingham Greek Festival. That's coming up October 14th through the 16th in the Magic City, or should I say the Greek City of Birmingham, Alabama. How about this taking place also mid-October? This is taking place at Fort Mitchell. It's the Fort Benning Oktoberfest, a celebration of German history and culture with food. This, of course, at Fort Benning right around the Columbus, Georgia area. This particular event takes place at the Uchi Creek Campground at Fort Mitchell. It's absolutely free October 15th through the 17th. Coming up also middle of the month in Opelika, right across the street from Auburn, it is the Opelika Songwriters Festival at various venues in downtown Opelika. You've got to get a pass to go attend these 
various music venues that are hosting this Songwriters Festival. They got a weekend pass that starts at 125, goes up to 225. So go check out that if you want to go to Opelika and enjoy some really, really good music. And let's go to the last weekend, and I'll throw out one more good, good Alabama-type event, and that would be in Grove Hill, Alabama. Coming up October 30th, it's Pioneer Days, with 30 reenactors showcasing life in the early 1800s. This is October 30th at the Clark County Historical Museum, Grove Hill, Alabama. Those, again, all fun things going on in Alabama in the next couple of weeks, some of the fall fun to be had in the heart of Dixie. And you can go read about all of these events and the other ones I didn't get to. It's an article up at AL.com. It's 45 must-see festivals and fairs in Alabama in fall 2021. Mary Corluso penned this. Thank you, Mary. Great research. Check it out. Way to go, Alabama. And you know what? Alabama is just one of our 16 southern states. Before we get out of here, I'm going to throw in a couple of other fun stuff going on in other states as part of our festive South, just just a handful, and I'll skip over Alabama for that particular report. So that'll be coming up before we get out of here. And you know what? we got to hurry up because we only have a few minutes before we got to get out of here. When we come back on y'all, we'll take a quick look at some fun college-related news items, and that is pretty cool. It's from a fan's perspective And that will help us get ready to get out of here for the day. You're listening to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. That is our text line, our website, y'all.com. Let's continue on with the fun here in our final hour. Just a few minutes left before we must say goodbye on this program that is Southern-centric. 
And, you know, we Southerners, especially if you call Alabama home, we kind of like our college football. That's usually the case. Well, one Alabama native is bringing a taste of Alabama to tell you ride Colorado. What in the world is going on in Colorado? It's Robbie O'Dell, who is originally from Bruton, Alabama. He owns a restaurant and bar in Telluride called Oak. And it is decked out there in Telluride with plenty of southern goodness, mostly Alabama goodness. And you got to go check it out when you're there in Telluride, Colorado, as he's got this bar-restaurant combination uh, he says Alabama's still home, though he's been working in Telluride for 30 years. And he says his wife picks up his drawl as soon as he gets back to Bruton to visit. How could you lose your drawl? Yeah, and uh, he's got a wife and two kids, and he loves food and Alabama football. He says that they sit at a bar there in Telluride and cheer on Alabama football every chance they got, again, throughout the whole location, decked out with Alabama vintage stuff. And, oh, I know if you hate Alabama, you're probably not going to go into this place. But I got to give him credit because he's proud of his southern roots there in Telluride at Oak. And there he puts the South on display, not just Alabama football, but he's got signs hanging outside the restaurant that say beer, bourbon, and barbecue. And he's got plenty of good southern food on the menu at this resort town right there, and people from all over the world walk into Oak and check out his food. So if you get a chance, go in and and see Robbie O'Dell, the Bruton, Alabama native, and his restaurant called Oak that's got southern grub, it's got southern scenes and photos and more. And so when you're Rocky Mountain High, Colorado, that was another thing. You know, some people from out west told me it's pronounced Colorado, but John Denver in his song, He says Colorado. So what the heck is it? Help me out here. Of course, some of the food there includes barbecue. They got creamy coleslaw and fried okra all at this restaurant bar combination. And tell you, ride. Go see Robbie. Tell him the y'all show sent you as he's bringing a taste of the South to tell you, ride. All right. Lastly here, you know, Alabama, they love their football. Oklahomans also love their football and one family make they make a yearly tradition there in Oklahoma of recreating the football field that you'll find at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium the Pickard family go out of their way to create a recreational field that is an exact copy of what you'll find on the OU campus Owen and Kelsey Pickard do this each and every year, and you've got to see the aerial taken of their field. It looks just like OU's football stadium. Got the Big 12 logo. Uh, this year, they got an SEC logo on this field. How cool is that? They do have a Big 12 on one side of the field, but they got an SEC logo because that's where the Sooners are going to be going to pretty soon. Man, this looks awesome. They recreate the home of the Sooners on their property. And I don't know where this is in Oklahoma. The article that I'm looking at, okay, they it's in Blanchard. Owen and Kelsey Pickard built their house in Blanchard three years ago. And I guess Owen was consumed with his backyard. And that's where they started putting up a real-life football field that is exactly, it's got the hash marks, the 
colored end zones. If you didn't know any better, you'd think this was on the Oklahoma campus. But instead, it's right there in Blanchard, Oklahoma. And I haven't been there, so let me cheat one more time, if you don't mind, and pull up where Blanchard is in case y'all want to go take a peek yourself. I don't know if he allows people to kind of pull up in the backyard and, and gander at his amazing, I won't say artwork, but it's uh, a lot of love, a lot of time goes into it. Blanchard is south of Oklahoma. It's actually not but about probably 15, 20 miles from Norman. So how cool would it be if some of the actual Sooners go over there to Blanchard and uh, try out his field and tell him maybe, hey, yours is better than ours. Boomer Sooner there, guy. So, yeah, how cool is that? And uh, that that's the South. We love our football. And how cool is it, Oklahoma, that you're going to be in the SEC? You're going to be even more, if you're a Sooner fan, even more connected with the Southeast. Because here on this show, we do include the state of Oklahoma in our footprint of coverage of the Southern goings-on. And the Sooners are SEC-bound. We'll be there, maybe, uh, pardon the pun, sooner than later and with some jokes like that you know we have to go to break with a little boomer sooner we're going to wrap this up with a quick look at a festival or two going on across the southeast we will do that right after this final timeout of y'all talk with a southern accent boomer sooner We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
All right, we're going to wrap up this show with a quick look at a few festivals. We spent a lot of time this hour talking about some of the fun in Alabama going on this week. And we'll let you know about some other states across the southeast. How about what's going on in the bluegrass of Kentucky if there's a festival or two going on? This weekend in Paducah, it's Yaktoberfest at Carson Park. Make your way to the bluegrass for some fun there. Also this weekend in the state of Missouri, make your way to the Show Me State and check out Fall Festival in St. Louis West. That's in Eureka, Missouri. Also want to let you know what's going on in Mississippi this weekend if you have a chance to get to the Magnolia State and check out some of the fun across that state. Laurel this weekend, it's Save the Date. Lob Lolly Festival is back this weekend at Laurel's Main Street. You know, that's the town that uh, that couple with that home improvement show live in. I don't even know the name of it, but that's going on. Hey, the Avit Brothers are playing Sunday in Memphis at Radion's Amphitheater. If you want some good music, maybe get a ticket at the last minute. You can make your way to Memphis for the Avet Brothers. Also going on this weekend in North Carolina, in the North State this weekend, you've got the Breakaway Festival at Charlotte Motor Speedway. In Virginia, how about country music singer Rodney Atkins? He's at the Blue Ridge Amphitheater in Danville this weekend. And the state of South Carolina this weekend. If you are in the Palmetto State, if you want to go to the Palmetto State for some fun there this weekend, your fun includes in Surfside Beach. It's the Surfside Beach Family Festival. And the state of Texas, of course, the Lone Star State's chock full of fun. And this weekend is no exception. This weekend, I would double check this. I've got it listed as happening but you better double check. Going on for several days, October 1st through the 10th, it's the 2021 Austin City Limits Music Festival at Zilker Park. Double check that one. Don't know if that's actually happened or not. Let me also tell you, for Texas in Denton this weekend, it's the Denton Arts and Jazz Festival at Quaker Town Park. And that will wrap up some of the many great options across the South if y'all want to get out and see what's going on across Dixie. Make sure you join us on Friday. We'll have the Y'all Kickoff Show in hour number one, and then we'll have plenty of other great stuff, including Craig Fogner. I'm going to have to ask him about what's going on with the crappie fishing, and we'll also squeeze in his preparation for deer season. That's part of our fishing forecast with Craig Fogner coming your way Friday. That plus all of the movies hitting theaters going to be so much fun. John Rawl thanking you for listening to this, The Y'all Show. Have a great rest of y'all's day. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, 
stop taking Lens S and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Lens S. Learn more at lensess.com or call 1 800 L I N Z E S S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.